Hi, this is Steve. So, as I think just about everybody knows by now, we're doing guilty pleasures on The Cinephiles. Last week was John's guilty pleasure, Zorro the Gay Blade, and this week, it's my turn with Bruce Lee's The Way of the Dragon. Unfortunately, the truth is, after rewatching this movie, I don't really feel all that guilty. Sure, there's a ridiculous plot about mobsters in a Chinese restaurant, some cheesy villains, and a pretty bad gay stereotype. But it's also Bruce Lee's first film as a director, some very funny and even heartfelt examination of what it means to be a stranger in a strange land. And let's not forget about Bruce fighting Chuck Norris in the Coliseum. So if you haven't seen Way of the Dragon, I think you should head over to cinephiles.net where you can buy or stream it along with every other movie we've ever reviewed. Then come back on Friday to hear John and I discuss my not-so-guilty pleasure, Bruce Lee's Way of the Dragon. A man? Only one man? But this man knows Chinese Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Hello and welcome back to our two-week exploration of guilty pleasures on The Cinephiles. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roke. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, writer, producer, and host over at Collider, co-host Top 10, and co-host of the Geek Buddies podcast, and thanks to everyone for coming back after the Zorro the Gay Blade conversation. I hope we didn't lose any of you and you're in, you know, just back on board with us. And you know what? For those of you, because I know there are people that just look at the movie title and go, interested, interested, not interested, and you skip it. Right. I highly recommend listening. Yes. We had a great conversation. It was really funny. We actually got into some deep stuff yeah. in talking about films and guilty pleasures and why we watch them and what it does for them, for us, and why we will accept movies that are, you know, maybe not as high quality as others and yes. still love them. Yeah. You know, I just recently listened to not just one, but two debates on the Geek Buddies about Transformers <laughs> movies. And I, and again, those were great conversations about movies that you love that you acknowledge are not actually the greatest films in the world, <laughs> but you love them. Yes. You know, I do. They're, they're, I will never tell anybody they're good films. To me, they're just fun enjoyable uh turn your brain off type movies and for whatever reason they work for me well and, and this is and you know I'm not alone and, and, oh, no billions of dollars tell you that you are not alone exactly. well and the same is true with this whole era of the early 70s where we had kung fu films and yeah. black exploitation films the vast majority of which are not good films yes. in the sense of lawrence of arabia being a good film or citizen kane being a good film but they are films that people would watch over and over again. They would quote. They became huge cultural touchstones for giant communities of people, mm -hmm. despite the fact that there are many things about these films that aren't good. And, and and just to say what we said in the last episode, the way this started was we mentioned these guilty pleasures on our 150th episode of our Q&A. And one of our best supporters, who is both a supporter for this and for Top Send Show, Matthew Hasso, messaged us privately and said, yeah. I will pay you to do these movies. And we... Said okay, yeah, it was a high enough sum. They were like, okay, well, and and the fact is, is that you love Zora the Gay Blade, I and I love Bruce Lee and Way the Dragon, and so it's not like a real sacrifice, even though you know there's some issues with this movie. And so, since none of this would be happening without Matthew, I thought I'd give him a call and find out what he thinks of our guilty pleasures. Being Mexican myself and never seeing a Mexican American or a, a Latino who's 
really into the things I'm into, movies and is into podcasting or or just in that same vein. I think when I first saw John on Movie Talk, I just kind of instantly gravitated to him. And then the fact that most of our opinions lined up. And then when I found out about all the different podcasts he was doing in the top 10, I was fully on board. And then on top of that, the icing on the cake was they're actually interesting and fun to listen to. I mean, I've just been 100% in since I think um, – Enter the Dragon was the first one I listened to. So I just have to say thanks to him and thanks to you guys for putting out the awesome content. So if, if, if I'm reading between the lines here correctly, are you saying that John Roca is the Zorro of podcasting? I am going to say yes, so I can see him in that outfit. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> well, today we're not talking about Zorro. We're talking about Bruce Lee and Way of the Dragon. My guess is, from what I know about you, that Bruce Lee might be a kind of a special figure in your life. So I think most martial artists come to martial arts in two ways. Either one, you get beat up or two, you watch a Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> I am, I am the former, not the latter. And I'm the latter. I, okay. And I think my father just used it as an excuse to start taking martial arts with me. Oh, and you started taking martial arts with your dad? Yes. I started taking it with my dad. He has a very innate ability with it. Got his black belt pretty quickly. Wow. And because of that, he got really into reading martial arts books and one of those books is called Zen and the Martial Arts. And I happened to pick it up and read it. And in it, I read about this guy named Bruce Lee. And a lot of what he was saying was was really cool and kind of spoke to me, even though I have to blame him for not being able to get a black belt till I was in my 40s. Why is it Bruce Lee's fault that you didn't get a black belt in your 40s? <laughs> because he was all about combat. And from 11 to 14 years old, it became a huge source of contention between my father and I about forms and katas and how they brought you up in the martial arts and ranking. And I kind of took that combat aspect of what Bruce Lee was talking about to heart. And my father and I had a very big, I think I'm a man conversation. And he said, well, be a red belt forever. And I thought he was kidding. And it wasn't until I was 42 that I finally got my black belt. So by the way, I got my black belt in my 40s too. And I had been through so, because I had studied just a whole bunch of different martial arts. So I'd done different styles of Kung Fu and uh, all sorts of stuff and advanced and advanced and advanced, but then moved to another style. So I never got a black belt. So I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, when I finished that black belt test, that was an emotional moment. It, it was emotional on a lot of different levels. Cause I did the same thing. I took, you know, Wing Chun and, and Jiu Jitsu. I, I did the gauntlet of all these things. And then later in life, my stepdaughter, her dad was like, I know you've been studying martial arts for years and years. Will you find a martial arts place for her? So I found a place and then I got kind of the bug and started training again. And then and this is this is kind of hilarious because you'll definitely like pride messes with you. She was up for her black belt. And in Subak Do, it's very, very military tradition. Right. So if she gets her black belt before me, I have to call her Mrs. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to like bow to her. And and I was like, no, there's no way. And we tested at the same time. And on top of that. My wife got pregnant while I was on the journey to the black belt, and she had our baby Rosalind the four o'clock in the morning before the test. So I went to the hospital, stayed up all night, had the baby, and then she was like, go. And without any sleep, I then drove from the hospital to my test, took my test, then went back to the hospital. So wow. stepdaughter, wow. stepdaughter, black belt test, my black belt test, baby daughter born. 
all at the same time. It was definitely just a lot of emotions. All that is an time. amazing um, story. Um, let me ask you one more question before we run is uh, what do you think of Way of the Dragon? I love Way of the Dragon. I mean, even though the Donnie Yen versus Colin Cho fight in Flashpoint, I think, rivals it almost. Chuck Norris versus Bruce Lee is still one of the best martial arts fight scenes ever. I, I totally I think, think it, it. And I think it. you have to you have to judge things by their era. For this time, at this budget, that fight scene is amazing. It goes to having two martial artists who have an understanding of martial arts. I think, you know, you get into something like Mortal Kombat where they train most of those people to do the fights. Right. And it looks fun and you can edit that. But the understanding and the flow of what martial arts really is, I think martial artists can see the difference when you watch a fight of two great martial artists and you're like, no, they are feeding each other's energy and they're having a good time interacting physically. And you see that in that fight. I think this is the first time since he's directing that you see the Jeet Kune Do. Right. You know, because the other ones, they, you could tell, especially like in Big Boss, like he's full still Hong Kong cinema. In this one, there's no wire work. And he's really doing more the the mix of martial arts, Wing Chun, Jeet Kune Do. So I, I really uh, just seeing all of that in progression, I think is, is just amazing. And, and watching Way of the Dragon really makes me wish we could have gotten Game of Death the way he wanted to do it. Couldn't because, agree more. You know, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Thank you again for uh, all of your support of the show. And thank you for, in particular, for for helping us to uh, do these guilty pleasures, Zora the Gay Blade and Way of the Dragon. And one more thing I wanted to ask you, you have your own podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, it's called Fanboy Junction. It's basically we are doing all superhero movies. We're starting with 1978 Superman the movie and watching all comic book based movies in chronological order and discussing them honestly. And so far, it's about a 50 50. <laughs> and we're just kind of starting out. So we're, we're learning and having some fun. But yeah, come out and, and check us out. It's It's been interesting to say the least. Definitely check it out. And thank you again for all your support. And now we're going to go into Way of the Dragon. So. Do you remember how you first came to The Way of the Dragon? Yes. Uh, Steve Morris told me that we had to watch it for a show, and so I watched it last night before we do this <laughs> recording for the first time. I had seen the fight between him and Chuck Norris uh, many times. Uh, I think there had been clips and stuff you'd see on fighting, because they used to do compilation movies back. Oh, compilation, right, sure. Yeah, videos back then. You could watch the fight. And right. so the fight I always knew or saw, but I never knew about the uh, movie itself and never really cared to go back and see it um, because the fight is what was the whole point of the movie, in my opinion, at the right. time. But when I went back and watched it last night, certainly there's a, a little bit more going on in the movie that leads to that situation. And the cat thing, it's we're going to talk about all of that. It was going to yeah. be a very interesting but. But yes, last night was the first time I ever watched it fully all the way through. So as if you go way, way back and listen to our End of the Dragon uh, uh, episode, you will know how important it was when I first saw Bruce Lee. I was nine years old and saw End of the Dragon with my dad. By the end of the movie, I was standing up. Yeah. It has created my lifelong love of martial arts. From that point forward, I consumed every martial arts movie, in particular, every Bruce Lee movie I can find. And when I was a little kid, I didn't know the difference. I didn't know that he had died. I didn't know that Bruce Lai and Bruce Lay. And I was just, <laughs> anything that said Bruce, I was like, I, I'll watch it. Yeah. And of course, I watched Way of the Dragon 9, 10, 11, 12. I watched it so much. And I watched the dubbed version, because that's all there was, right, right. over and over again. So even watching it with the subtitles, as I did this you know, last time, is I can still hear hear all the English dialogue in the dub voices. It's so clear in my head. I, and it's funny, I haven't watched this movie a ton in the last 
10 years. I probably watched it once or twice, mm -hmm. but not a lot. But I still remember it. So I, I don't know how many times I watched it from the ages of like 10 until 25. Wow. Dozens and dozens of times. Over kind of like over. me with Gay Blade. Yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. Um, yep. The thing is, I started out watching the English dub last night for the first 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Uh, maybe I'm losing something here. If I don't watch it with it, but actually the English subtitles are the exact same. Yeah, I would say dub. I would say this is a case where you don't you hear different voices. Yes. And, and, and there are certain jokes because if everything is in English, the things that are some things are in English and because so, a lot mm -hmm. of the movie is actually yes. in English. Yes. Some of those jokes don't actually work. Yeah. Things don't make sense, but the fact that Bruce actually can't speak the language of some of the other people. Yeah. So that that but really, it's not like you know if we were talking about a Kurosawa film, it would be like. Do not watch a dubbed version. Oh, how, God. how dare you? No, right. This is not that. This no. is like, you know. Yeah. It, it, whatever. It gets the point across. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the movie or you want to see the movie, the way I saw it was on the Cinemax app. Mm. It's on Cinemax app right now. And so you can, if you're signed up for Cinemax on your cable or whatever, you can watch it on demand for free. And uh, uh, that's how I watched it last night. I think it's a great way to watch the movie. With you know, the original Cantonese. You want to know what I think would be a better way? What's that? You might want to go to cinephiles.net and you could buy the Blu-ray. There's a three-disc collection with uh, uh, Fist of Fury, Big Boss, and Way of the Dragon. That's actually a pretty nice Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, might be able to stream it through Amazon Prime, which a lot of our movies do if you click on them. So, but... You could also do it your way. I mean, yeah. your, way would, your way would be fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you want. <laughs> um, so uh, the only pre-production I have about this film is yeah. that the first two movies that Bruce did were directed by uh, Way... I, think I just drew a blank on his name. Okay. But uh, they did not get along. Bruce did not like the vision of those first two films. And so he this is his third film, and he went off to direct it himself. And it got made. And then that's at by that time his movies had really hit in the United States. Before Way of the Dragon came out is when he went and made Enter the Dragon. Mm -hmm. And so Way of the Dragon, which was made first, was released in the United States as Return of the Dragon ah. because that way they could it could build off of. So that's why it was called Return of the Dragon for years. Um, even though the character in this has nothing to do with the character of Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, and is in fact very different from the character in the first two films. Um, the character in the first two films are these revengeful, violent, kind of angry people, particularly in Fist Yeah, Chinese Connection, which is called Fist of Fury. Yeah, so the, the, way, the titles are weird because wow. the, the original title for the first movie is called The Big Boss, yes. which was released in the United States as Fist of Fury. Oh, the Chinese, the movie, the title of the second movie is actually Fist of Fury, which was released in the U.S. as Chinese Connection. The third movie is titled Way of the Dragon, but we, but was made before Enter the Dragon, so it was named Return of the Dragon oh, hey, well. in the U.S. So there's a lot of weird stuff. With <laughs> it's these very things. crazy. Um, and then he died shortly after Enter the Dragon, mm -hmm. halfway through making Game of Death, which is his last film. This one he chose to direct himself, write and direct. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think as a first film pretty good and this is where i go man i would have loved to see what bruce lee could have done you know like as he became a more sophisticated director yeah. as we got into you know you know this is just his kind of first baby steps he's you know it's not very long between the first movie and mm -hmm. his death it's a very short period of time um so that's all my pre-production uh the, that golden harvest logo starts off with that music and that is so significant to me because it's such a huge time in my life with all the Jackie Chan movies or Golden Harvest so many of this it meant I was in for some kung fu and that just made me really excited <laughs> kind of a cool credit sequence I love the credit the yeah. rowing and everything the rowing it's badass man yeah and Even that, nowadays and that music is just mm -hmm. you know it is a certain kind of 70s iconic Hell kung yeah. fu movie music 
And we get to our opening shot, which is a close-up of Bruce Lee with a really intense face. And it kind of looks like he's going to fight someone or mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm. And the camera pulls back and we realize that he is awkwardly in an airport. And there's a, a, a white woman and the white old lady, old lady who's kind of staring at him disdainfully. And he is embarrassed. Yeah. And I think this is such because what we have seen of Bruce Lee before is the crazy, angry, violent badass mm -hmm. in the first two films and the completely self-assured, competent guy in Enter the Dragon. And what do we see here? This is a guy who's embarrassed yeah. and awkward. And I genuinely think Bruce has some comedy chops. Oh, yeah. I think he's really funny in this mm -hmm. film. And the choice of making himself vulnerable mm -hmm. is a really interesting choice. And I also think this is his, a little mini commentary. I think it's more right, than a mini about commentary. the racism he experiences, he experienced here in the States, even though he's at a gate where he's not in the United States at all. But having a uh, older white woman just stare a hole through him the whole yep. time. And when she gets, when the guy shows up to take her away, who she's waiting for, he has to literally shake her out of that trance of staring yep. at Bruce so that they can roll off. And she thinks nothing about. And there's no resolution to this. Like there's no conversation between them, there's no one getting better over the other one. She just. Gets shaken out of it and then moved away. What I think is so strange, I have no idea why this movie's in Rome. Like, it's yeah. so odd because I, what Next I think break, this maybe. movie is really about is about immigration. It's about immigrants. Mm, right. And Bruce is an immigrant. Bruce was born in San Francisco. And by the way, if you want to hear more of a biography of him, go way back to our End of the Dragon episode. We go into a lot of detail about his life. But he was born in San Francisco because his dad was part of the Chinese opera that was traveling there. Right. But then he grew up in Hong Kong until he was in his teens. And then he moved back to California and then up to Washington. And so he was an immigrant. And I think all of the stuff of language barriers and cultural barriers that he struggles with throughout the whole film I think this is about that experience. And yeah. I think that's part of why, because this is also a East meets West movie and the oppressive West, you know, trying to control the East and the East fighting back. This is, that's what this movie is about. And even though the plot is stupid, which we'll get into, like the themes of it, I actually think I like. And the next thing that happens is he's hungry. Mm -hmm. He doesn't speak the language. He can't read the language. He's trying to figure out where to go, goes into a restaurant, sits down at a table again, embarrassed, looks at the menu, can't read it, and points to a bunch of stuff, gets nasty looks from the waitress yeah. who delivers like five giant bowls of soup. Because he hit them all yeah at, and she was just like okay you want five bowls of soup that's what you'll get and then the embarrassed moment of oh, i can't believe what i did and yeah. then the what you do is like no i meant to do that right and he starts eating that soup <laughs> um and again awkwardness about paying the bill and then walking out and his stomach is gurgling because he probably ate a bunch of things that his uh chinese diet isn't really prepared for Good point like yeah. a bunch of there was a bunch of cream in that soup mm. like like dairy is not a thing in traditional chinese food at all mm. like that is not something that so if you'd never eaten a lot of dairy and you just ate a heavy italian yeah. cream soup you might have some toilet problems <laughs> and that's what we're going to get into next as he's looking around and he sees uh, a Chinese girl who is um, Nora Meow, I th mm -hmm. and she is in the other two movies. She's in Fist of Fury and Big Boss. She's also in Return to Fist Fury, which is the first mm. Jackie Chan movie that he right. does. She plays the love interest. And recently- I didn't realize she's she, in that one. She has a podcast in Canada. She's oh, still yeah. around doing a radio show. She admitted to having an affair with Bruce on wow. the set of this movie and being in love with him. I did not know that. Yeah, it's fascinating. And she's beautiful in this movie. Yeah. My God. And she's looking around for someone, and she did not expect to find him mm -hmm. because she was expecting like someone else. She needs yeah. some help. She had written to their uncle in Hong Kong. And uncle might mean that it's her actual uncle. It could just mean a respected elder. Yeah. That's the way you would talk about an uncle. But uh, she she needs like a lawyer, 
or something. And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to be able to help you out. But first, where's the toilet? <laughs> right. And she runs off to the toilet and she's immediately disappointed and like, who is this guy? We get to her car and he's trying to, he's always trying to like look like he knows what he's doing or knows what he's talking about and have a swagger about him. And he is continually wrong. Yeah. And that's what I really, this is why I actually have more affection for this movie. Enter the Dragon is a better made movie sure but i love i like the awkward goofy character of bruce in this film i i i'm really drawn to him this is probably who he really was right like uh, yes was he self-assured was he like he is in enter the dragon and of course there's a lot of conversation uh in books that he was uh, you know a kind of a confident cocky guy but that probably was all veneer to cover up this guy who is who always felt kind of out of place and uh, trying to look like he knew what he was talking about and trying to be accepted overall in the whole and to be his first film that he writes. Yeah. Like they tell you to write what you know, to write a character like this. It's kind of a window into how Bruce sees himself because he's still a motherfucking badass later on in the movie. Oh, yeah. But at the beginning, he is this kind of awkward guy. Well, I think so. I think he does have all that swagger and all that mm. stuff is true. Mm -hmm. But I think about the Bruce Lee that showed up in the United States, not speaking the language right. very well, mm -hmm. and the Bruce Lee that looked at all of the American movie stars and all of that stuff and looked at the way Asians were treated in yeah, film and TV yeah. and all of the insecurity that he felt led him to want to overcome that and become who he becomes. Yeah. So like, I think the, I think the, the, the swaggering, arrogant, cocky, tough, self-assured Bruce Lee and the insecure immigrant who doesn't speak the language very well trying to figure out what to do they're the, I think they're both in there yep and that's why I like this film is that it brings those two things together mm -hmm. we do a gorgeous drive around Rome as we get oh, yeah. a lot of you know, it's like there's Trevi Fountain and the Colosseum and again I have no idea why we're in Rome particularly because nobody speaks Italian <laughs> like it's not it's everyone's speaking English yep because when you have you either have Chinese that's subtitled or you have people that are just speaking in English yeah um but uh uh, and we get the exposition of, here's the plot. We have a restaurant. Dad died. She's running the restaurant. The crime syndicate wants the restaurant. I don't know why. And they're trying to shut them down, scare people away, et cetera. And that's why Bruce is here to help. Or that's why Uncle sent Bruce yeah. to help. Um, is it a stupid plot? Yes. It is also like the classic sort of... Uh, it's it, it both in terms of dumb action movies, particularly martial arts movies, and in terms of like dumb comedy, like yeah. so-and-so wants to shut down our bakery, you know, like just like, yeah, these are the dumb plots. Yeah. Um, shut down the orphanage. We got to get $5,000. We got to get $5,000. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, we stop at her apartment, which is funky, you know, late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. Um, and she's talking to him about the restaurant thing. He goes, okay, that's great. Where's the toilet? <laughs> it's a, he's really good at being goofy. Yeah. Um, and he comes back out and tries to make conversation with her, and it's all awkward, and she's continually disappointed with him. Um, and she asks about restaurants in Hong Kong, and he goes, I don't really do that. I live in the country. I just practice kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> and then he throws some punches and kicks. And, man, when Bruce moves, it's just he's. It's so I, good. I have to say to you, Steve, this is my this might be my favorite of his films in terms of his fighting. I enjoyed his fighting in this movie and in the little vignettes like this. We does little things like mm -hmm. that. I got the full scope of what he was able to do in this movie, more so than many of the other movies, because he's always kind of 
always the more seasoned fighter in just about every situation. Right. Until you get to Enter the Dragon, obviously. But like in this one, uh, when he gets the Chuck Norris fight, like it's an incredible, incredible fight. It's a great fight. But seeing him move throughout the movie, you're just like, good God almighty. Like to see it in part, to see it like that, you're just like, I get it. Like I, yeah. if I had forgotten it, I remember now. Well, I think coming off of, he was one of the things he was most unhappy with in the previous two movies. Mm. He wasn't the fight choreographer. Yeah. So he, he, he has, there's a very, and we'll get into it when we get to the fight scene. Mm-hmm. I think he is, there's a very specific thought process behind each of the fights and, <clears throat> and what is it that he wants to convey. Yeah. And, and it's funny, fight scenes have evolved a lot. Like the fight scenes today are far more spectacular than what Bruce sure. was doing. But I think this is, you know, the beginning of it. Yeah. And, and his way of thinking about fight scene is super influential on things that happen later. Yeah. And she's not impressed with his, you might've been impressed. Yeah, I was super impressed. <laughs> like a dude does that in my house. We're like, damn but she is not impressed but if i need a lawyer it doesn't help me yeah she gives him like a card and a key to the apartment the card has the address all of which he can't read and she she asks about money and he says you know he's got this money belt we've seen before she's like oh you got to put it in the bank so we end up at the bank and uh i again i think this is why this is an immigrant story you're Mm. in another country you don't understand the culture you're nervous about what to do with your money you don't trust the people and the guy is kind of physical with him in a way that it's not comfortable weird yeah well and and i mean like when you go like one of the interesting things and i I saw a study about it where is that how far away do you talk to someone Oh, yeah, different yeah. cultures have different distances yeah, some cultures they speak very closely which i don't like yeah you know and it's like but that's just normal for what that culture does how much touching is there within a culture right some cultures very little some cultures very very touching yeah. and one of the things he's dealing with is the touchiness and they end up at a beautiful fountain in rome and she's saying no no you gotta you gotta be comfortable with people touching you that's just the culture and if someone touches you that's okay and if they look at you or smile at you you should smile back and while all of this is happening there is a beautiful woman whose name is melissa longo yeah. who went on to be in all sorts of somewhat exploitive films after this she's a model and she's looking at him and she winks and he winks and she smiles and he smiles and then she walks over and puts her arm around him and of course his friend has just been telling him yeah you gotta you know respond in kind so he puts awkwardly his arm around her she gets pissed and walks off. <laughs> so in the version of the movie I had seen, by the way, I don't think the uh, soup was in the version that I had oh, seen. Oh, interesting. I don't think the I think they meet at the airport the and there's no part. restaurant thing. Yeah, this is, well, well, and some of it doesn't work because everybody in the dub version is speaking English. Yeah. So a lot of the language barrier jokes don't play very well That's a fair in a dubbed movie. Yeah, yeah. So in my version, I believe that I grew up watching over and over again, she gets mad and goes and walks off and then we're with them later. Yeah. Maybe because it was edited for television, I didn't see where he ends up at this woman's place and she just kind of says, stay here and he doesn't know what to do. Right. And so what does he do? Practices some Kung Fu. Yeah. And again, his form is just spectacular, particularly when, uh, you know, he lifts, he does like a roundhouse kick and lifts it up slowly and holds it out there. That is Real and and by the way, I don't believe this is sped up. I think when he throws those punches, this oh, looks yeah. like normal because some things are sped up. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is. And his jab is so fucking fast. Yeah, like I and I've I've sparred with people. I'm not particularly fast. I'm I, back in the day, I was somewhat quick, mm. but not fast. And I was sparred with people where it's like I just couldn't stop their jab. Yeah, because it was so. By the time I was reacting to it, it was too late. They were yeah. just beyond my speed. And my guess is those people were half the speed that Bruce is. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, it, like what? 
he would just wipe you out. He's so fast. It's also brilliant to throw these things in there because it also shows you, it lays the groundwork for what you're going to see later, but it also, if it's almost like a semi-audition mm. for other parts, right? This idea that he can move this fast. He, he's showing you, he's almost like, and remember, he was teaching classes for this stuff as well. Sure. So he's almost showing you what you can learn if you come take a class with this guy. Remember, like, I'm sure he didn't know whether these films were going to be successful or not or what was going to happen with this film. So to him, he's like playing, he's laying the groundwork for other things possibly that could, you know, like be revenue streams from him, for him down the road or what have you. And maybe this is a way of pushing back if people want to limit him like we saw in the Green Hornet where they wanted to limit right. his kind of fighting because it was so out there. Well, and what and what's so interesting to me is what is this juxtaposed with? It's juxtaposed with his most awkward and embarrassing moment. Right. Because she's about... So here's this person who in his body, in his martial arts, supremely confident yeah. in every other way we've seen eating bathroom yeah. money and now this woman he is completely completely embarrassed yeah. and awkward because she opens that door and she is naked because i believe so was she a prostitute or was she i have no idea or just into him just into it but he didn't know that that was what was going on nope. he just seems to have gone along with her yeah. and now he gets the hell out <laughs> you know those were great days yeah. <laughs> remember those days of my time um it's funny, in the, uh, there was a commentary track on the disc that I watched, mm -hmm. not a terribly good one, and he said that he described this martial who, who arts... Is that? Who is the person? Oh, you don't remember? Okay. Some martial arts okay. guy, um, and uh, it, wasn't anyone, it wasn't anyone who worked on the film, and he described the martial arts before as Bruce Lee's pre-sex warm-up. <laughs> like, he knew he was going to have sex, and this is how he warmed up for the sex. I'm like, no, the whole point is, I don't think he knows why he's here, right. and then he, he believes that Bruce Lee had sex with her. And I'm like, no, he ran away, I think. Oh, no, I think they had sex. I think he ran away. Okay. I think he went, oh, shit, this is not what I signed up for and left. Mm. But I don't know. Well, and again, we'll ask our cinephiles to, to analyze yeah, yeah. this moment. Um, he heads back to the apartment, and now we meet Akun, who is the uh, kind of the friendly guy. Yes. And he's he's in a bunch of stuff, and he's in, in, in I know he's in Big Boss. I don't think he's in Chinese Connection mm -hmm. or uh, Fist of Fury. Um and we head off to the restaurant, no customers. We meet Uncle Wang, who's very happy to see them. And they drink some tea and there's no customers because the thugs are coming around and scaring people out. Yep. And he says, oh, and by the way, the other guys are in the back training because they're training karate. And we go out to the karate class. And the leader, who I think is Jimmy, mm -hmm. um, is a guy named, his uh, name is Unicorn Chang. That's his, because, you know, his nickname is Unicorn, is Chan, and he is a childhood friend of Bruce Lee's. Oh, wow. And he is the co-choreographer, choreographer with Bruce. Okay. So they worked on this together, and uh, he he's in 95 movies. Wow. I mean, this is the thing about this era of Hong Kong films, particularly with the Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest, is they were making films all the, this is like the old studio system. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these guys were in 50, 75, 100, 100, 200 movies. They're just in them all the time, yeah. cranking them out. And they have all decided to learn karate, not kung fu. Uh, and karate, of course, is Japanese, mm -hmm. which is interesting because, you know, the in Hong Kong, their relationship with Japan is pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, this is 1970. What uh, Japan did to China and to Hong Kong during World War II is a lot of anger yeah. still around. And people of Bruce Lee's age, they were kids during World War II. So mm -hmm. so there's a, the fact that they've decided to train in karate because it's stronger than Chinese Kung Fu is an important... Because one of... One of uh, Bruce's missions was the ownership of Chinese culture. Right. You know, and I think this is an example of that. 
Um, yeah. And we hear that he does Chinese boxing. I was it's such a weird term, Chinese boxing. <laughs> and I always wonder what's the translation. Are they talking about a particular style or are yeah. they talking about just Kung Fu in general? I don't really know. Um, uh, and everyone says hi to Bruce. Uh, Jimmy is the most distrustful. Um, and they ask him about Chinese boxing and he's, and, and does it lack power? And he says, it only lacks power if you haven't mastered the fundamentals. And they go, well, how do you develop power? And he says, you got to use your waist and your stance. Mm -hmm. Now, my guess is, I wonder if the, it's a better translation is hips, because that would make more sense to me yeah, than yeah, waist. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about that. But that is good martial arts philosophy. Okay. Stance and, and hips or yeah. waist is how you develop power, particularly for kicks and really for everything, because mm -hmm. that's how you connect the power of your legs up to your upper body, too. Yeah. So that, th that makes a perfectly good statement and they say well why don't you demonstrate and we get some pads and he's like oh maybe i'd hurt you and and they kind of go come on you're not gonna hurt us we got our karate geese all we're all black belts um i just wonder where they got these black belts from <laughs> and he's just starting to test the pads and you're just gonna go oh here it comes here's the big moment no no we're not gonna get that moment because we got customers that's right we're gonna delay we delay seeing bruce really do anything we have those little snippets we delay it for a kind long time smart. yeah Lay the groundwork, build up the anticipation. A lot of anticipation. So that when it happens, you're like, holy shit. Well, it, well, and what this movie does better, better, particularly, I think, than Enter the Dragon, mm. is the best fight scene in the movie is the last fight scene yes. in the movie. Yes. That's not true in Enter the Dragon, where the mirror fight scene is really neat, but it's not really fighting against a guy. No. That's, whereas this one is building. It's not going to, you know, the, the first fight scene we get is going to be a small fight scene. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to build up over time and do different stuff. And customers come in, he heads off to the toilet, and uh, uh, a guest comes in and opens the stall where Bruce is, and he is squatting on the toilet. So, which is how it's done yeah. in those countries, in a lot of the world. And I know, like at my school, because we have so many international student, uh, students, there are signs that says, do not squat on the toilet. This is how you use the toilet. Yeah. And, and again, this is why it's an immigrant story. You come to another culture and you don't know how to use the toilet. Right. You know, and that is embarrassing and difficult. So we're doing everything we can to make Bruce look bad in a lot of ways, to look insecure, to be embarrassed, mm -hmm. to, you know, like not quite know what he's doing. Yeah, out of place. Out of place. It's a fish out of water story. And now in comes the bad guy. Who we talked about, you know, his name is uh, uh, Paul Wei Ping or Paul or Wei Ping Ao. Uh, he's also in Fist of Fury. Uh, he plays a very, very campy gay character named Mr. He. Uh, he is a he's an eight when he's not acting. He's an AD. He's an assistant director. Huh. He was in 126 films. Yeah. Yeah, seen him. If you watch kung fu movies yeah. of this era, you've seen him over and over again. Yeah, and this is a gay caricature, and it is played for laughs, and it is everything that you might expect it to be. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. Um, yeah. because it's interesting because it's alluded to, it's never pronounced, right? That he's gay, but it's clear. But it's clear he's in pink. He's you yeah. Know, every every cliche you can imagine, they're right. But there. this guy is like apparently the number one dude behind the boss. So. This is an interesting position for him to have, considering the situation. But this whole, like when he randomly pulls out uh, Bruce's belt off his gi, ties, like, yeah, ties and it ties in. you, just like, and then tucks it in. You're just yeah. like, what the hell is happening? Here? Well, and, and Bruce, it also is a moment where Bruce looks like an idiot because yes. because he doesn't know that these are the bad guys yet. Yeah, and so he just is sort of responding like, oh, here's a straight. And he's been told people are different in terms of touching and right. stuff like that. It's right. like, oh, okay, here's a weird thing. And of course, all the the Chinese guys and the girl who is you know he's here to help are all just looking at him like, ugh, yeah, you are useless and terrible. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's so it's funny. Like, I think, uh, <laughs> I put this in the right way. I think uh, Paul Wei Pingao does a brilliant job at playing this caricature stereotype. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like, he, he is interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, in our eyes today, defensive and terrible. Yeah. You know? But also, this was, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so funny doing this along with Zora the Gay mm. Blade because this is, to me, Zora the Gay Blade bothers me more because it's called Zoro the Gay Blade. Right. Whereas this is like, here is a trope that is in tons and tons of movies, and yep, here it is again. Right. And it is offensive, and I don't like it. But it doesn't bother me in the same way because I'm here to watch Bruce Lee. Right. You know what I mean? But I can't defend I mean, I have no defense of it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, that is, it is what it is. Was I, what it was, I find it more offensive because it seems useless. It seems unnecessary. Right. Completely unnecessary. Right. Unless it's some kind of commentary on manliness. And I don't know. But I find it completely unnecessary for him to be gay because it never becomes a thing. It's never a thing. Well, I, it, 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 He's never sleeping with a dude it, it, and it, he gets it, caught out. It, it, there's nothing about it, it. No, it exists purely for laughs. Yeah. I mean, it is laugh at the gay guy. That is, that is yeah. 100% why it's there. Right. Yeah, it is. And, and, and you know, Look, we're we're 150 something episodes of the Cinephiles, in, <laughs> and over yeah. and over again we come across those things, yep. and we go, "This is what it is in the movie." We probably wouldn't do this today. We still like the movie, yeah. And it, you know, and this is what, as sophisticated watchers of film, we have to be able to separate some stuff out. Yeah, you know, I find this to be a fascinating time to watch movies and go back and watch older movies. Yeah. Like I was telling you off air, I was I went to see the final cut of oh, right. of Apocalypse Now, and there's a scene where Frederick Forrest. After they've done the Playboy, after the Playboy girls come. By the way, and that's uncomfortable. For the first time ever watching the film, I was actually uncomfortable by that because they're purposely using these women to incite these men. In they're trying to give them some kind of like excitement for them right. or thank you, but they're they're inciting these men to, to give in to their worser natures uh, by having these women do what they're doing. And then later, Frederick Forrest has a picture, has this like pull out of one of the playmates completely naked, puts it up on his, on the ship or on the boat, and then does the sound on her breasts. And I was like uncomfortable by that. And for the first time ever, and it's just like, I'm watching myself, me personally, change as I'm more aware of women speaking to me about these moments in movies that upset them, that offend them. That I find that to be, it's an organic change. I'm not forcing myself to do it. Right. I'm just more aware of it. And it's amazing what you turn a blind eye to until you're made aware of it. And the time comes for you to actually accept well, that. Th- th- I mean, this is what we were talking about this with Gay Blade. Mm. And we're t- talking about this in some ways now is that, and we talked about it off the mic too, is mm. there were all sorts of jokes that were acceptable. And a lot there were a lot of oh, jokes, yeah. a lot of objectifying women jokes, whether you're watching Animal House or yeah. Caddyshack or any, any or Porky's or all those was just like, you know boobs and sex and all this right. stuff and 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 you look at them down like oh that maybe it's a little uncomfortable it's funny the difference i would say with apocalypse now that scene to me has always been uncomfortable mm-hmm. the, the 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 scene with the uso show yeah you know because and it's not supposed to make you feel good no, you know no, what right. i mean like exactly. it's supposed like like uh coppola is making you look at this weird mix of violence and sex yeah. and we're like what are these women here for and the men attack it's like and the people looking through the fence which is always like the most powerful shot in that yeah, scene yeah agreed where it's like what's happening here yeah but this is not the apocalypse now uh final cut <laughs> podcast this is the way of the dragon <laughs> yeah, podcast right. and the thugs have scared our customers away and bruce has not uh, um done a good job of doing anything to help and it's later that night and bruce is sitting alone and waiters are talking about man what if they bring guns and karate's not going to do any good against guns and in walks our thugs yeah 
And one of the, I can only describe the big guy. I always picture, I always call him Wolfman Jack because it always <laughs> makes me think of Absolutely Wolfman Jack. Absolutely looks like Wolfman Jack. And these guys come in and they sit down and, th- and they think like, oh, these are customers. May I help you? And first guy burns a cigarette in the, in the tablecloth and then asks for Chinese spare ribs in English. I like some Chinese spare ribs. Chinese spare ribs? This African-American guy. Yep. And he goes, oh, what, what do you mean Chinese spare ribs? You don't have Chinese spare ribs? And he lifts up his arm and hits him in the spare in the ribs. And we go, okay, these are some thugs and we want to fight. And uncle goes, no, 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 don't fight it here. Don't break up our own stuff. Right. Go outside. But by the way, incredibly smart uncle. Yeah. We've seen so many fight scenes through the years in restaurants or stores and shit. And you're like, well, how do they... It, call me cost, it almost costs more just to pay him out than to right. have your stuff well, destroyed. And I mean, like... Uh, this movie's made for one hundred and thirty nine thousand dollars, and and they go out into the alleyway where they were doing their training. We're going to mm-hmm. use this alleyway a bunch. I mean, this is not they're not other than driving around beautiful Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of this shot on sets in Hong Kong, and they it's a pretty cheap film. Where do they get all these guys? Are they off bases or off military bases, or are these friends of Bruce who he trained in? So his some of them are friends of Bruce. I know. Okay. Um, uh, like one of them is his butler is the, the guy he kicks the big sidekick that he kicks the Chinese guy into the, oh yeah, yeah. in the demonstration. That is his butler. Okay. Um, uh, he knew a lot of martial arts guys. So Bob wall, who's also dead of the dragon. He's also right, in the tall uh, dude, tall yes. guy. So he's, he's, uh, and the Japanese guy is a well-known, but some of these thugs, I mean, there are a lot of American kind of expats living around Hong Kong. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Like the boss apparently is just a businessman. Um, and that he met, uh, I think Raymond Chow is the head of yeah. golden harvest and they became friends. He's like, Oh, why don't you come be in a movie? And he ended up being in like 50 movies. Um, anyway, so the, yeah. we go out into the alley and the first thing that happens, the alley, Jack. yeah, <laughs> is that unicorn Chan, uh, is gonna, he's the guy who's going to fight. And yes. he takes off his big seventies watch, very cocky, does some silly warm up stuff. <laughs> I'm just keep calling Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack kind of, mo- you know, like looks and puts up his hands and knocks him out with one punch. <laughs> and they make a joke about Chinese boxing. <laughs> For you kids, Wolfman Jack is a DJ from the 60s and 60s, 60s and 70s. 70s yeah. <laughs> look at like this. Hey, babies, we're going to do this. <laughs> but he was kind of a big guy with a beard. Yes. And he's all over the American graffiti soundtrack. If yeah. You have that as well. And, and by the way, because I watched this movie in like the late 70s, early yeah. 80s, that's you kind of thought maybe it was associated him with. And now uh, one of the other guys says, I want to go. And Bruce goes, no, I'm going to go. I'll show you what Chinese boxing is. I love Akun goes Chinese boxer and like pats him on the chest. Bruce does some, again, very pretty little warm-up movements and total disdain coming from a Wolfman. And the the girl, I don't remember her character name. Yeah. Uh, Nora is looking just like shakes her head because she knows this is going to go terribly. And because and we're 33 minutes into this movie. Yeah. And, and we've waited a long time to see it. And of course, we know what's going to happen. But like they've because you've made him look so insecure and so embarrassed and so awkward throughout the whole film, they've built up great and totally disdain from the guys and from everybody. Like we've built up some tension around this first fight scene yeah 
I think this is a fascinating fight scene. I actually find it really, really interesting because he does different technique and different approaches for each of these guys. Right. So the first guy, he gets in a very traditional stance, extremely traditional for Bruce, who's not actually a traditional Kung Fu guy because mm -hmm. Jeet Kune Do is a much more loose kind of thing and does a, a, a roundhouse, which he then names, which is a classic sort of Chinese thing. Mm -hmm. He says, is dragging, dragging, asking for direction. <laughs> And which I think in the dub version was like Little Dragon Seeks Path or something, which is actually a better line. Um, and then he hits him with a big wheel kick and he says, Dragon whipping its tail. So these are like, he's saying these are traditional, very, you, you asked about Chinese boxing. Mm -hmm. I am showing you traditional forms and that's how I take out the first guy. And there's a look from everyone like, oh, that's, we didn't expect that because Wolfman is out. Yep. Um, and there's a little musical sting and our girl kind of takes a little, oh, this is, this is kind of interesting. And then there's a tall, goofy white guy. Um, he wants to go, but the guy who was the spare ribs guy says, no, I'm going to go in. And he goes in and he comes in with a different technique, which is more boxing stance, mm. kind of rolls his shoulders around. And now we get like a the music and bruce looks at that and goes oh, okay i see what you're doing and he goes up totally different stance from yeah. what he had before and now he has his hands in what i will describe as muhammad ali position which has got his hands down and because ali always fought with his hands down expecting mm -hmm. that his speed would allow him to slip punches right. and bruce lee studied muhammad ali he was a big fan of muhammad ali in the way he fought mm -hmm. and then he incorporated a lot of that into jeet kune do and he slips one punch and then right away traps and leg sweeps him and it, again, it is super fast and efficient and it is a totally different way that he fought the first guy. And then he goes down on top of him, punches him out and sits on him. Yeah. And now we have two more guys and they're going, oh, this is going to be trouble. The sitting and, on him, by the way, that's an awesome move. It's badass. That's total domination. Total. And he sits there and waits. Yes. Waits. And he's got his hands kind of on his knees yep. and he's looking. He's like, okay, so uh, my... Uh, martial arts teacher doing Sulem Fut was a guy named Eric Reichert and he was a fifth degree black belt and um, he uh, was a little guy he was 5'4 he was like 140 pounds wow. and we would spar and he would do this thing that was the most irritating thing in the world which is he would stand in a deep kind of stance and he'd have his hands on his knees which is not up to block or mm -hmm. anything and he would look at you and he's really low because he's a small guy and he would go like what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, and he would wait. And I mean, I trained with him for four or five years, really intensely. This was like the most intense martial arts training in my life. And you would go like, "Fuck, what do I do?" <laughs> and you go because his hands are down, so yeah. like you should be. He's so much faster than me. And I would go, and so I go, maybe I'll try with a kick. No, it didn't work. Maybe I'll try with this. No, it didn't work. And he would just humiliate you every single time. <laughs> and it wasn't until uh, my friend Jeff and I we were both training with him, like it was f maybe five years in yeah. that we could start to kind of give him a little bit of a hard time yeah. when he's in this position. So I think of these two guys walking in on Bruce, who's just sitting there. And there's a great camera, is it, is it dollies in on Bruce? And then what he does is kind of amazing, which is that he takes them both out with leg sweeps. So he sweeps one, and then he does a leg trap, which is like he catches the leg with the bottom of his foot, hooks his other foot around it, and then he rolls flipping that guy, which I've never seen that move anywhere else. And to me, what I like about this, and then he takes them both out, is that, is that I think Bruce is saying something about 
martial arts in this film. That's why I think you respond so much to the movie. Yeah. Is that each, he's making a different statement. Like, I'm going to show you this traditional martial arts. I'm going to show you this kind of boxing kind of style. Then I'm going to, and I'm going to limit myself to my feet and trap them and roll them. And he's, he's showing you, I get, not only am I going to beat you, because these are not yeah. skilled fighters. Right, right. It's like, I'm going to beat each one of these guys in an interesting and unique way to demonstrate yeah. something about what martial arts are. And or a way that counters their style. Exactly. Yeah, you're presenting me this, because each one presents themselves and the stance they're going to use before Bruce reacts to it. Yep. So yeah, it's interesting. And uh, the, all the waiters rush to embrace him, and the uncle is happy, and Akun is happy, and everyone is like, this is going to be great. And we head back to the apartment, and now she's kind of showing him a little bit more respect, mm. and she kind of offers him supper. What's really interesting, she starts to flirt with him. Yes. He doesn't show real any interest at all. Nope. I don't think that Bruce's character is gay, but I do oh. think that he is not sexual. He is just, he's a martial arts guy. Yeah. Or he could just not be attracted to her. That's yeah. certainly possible, too. Sure, that's possible, true. Yeah. I mean, generally in movies, if you have two people and they are attractive, sure, they will be attracted to each other, sure, because we only got ninety minutes. You know, <laughs> we got to get done when we got to get done. Uh, and he says, "I'm gonna have to be up early for training." He asks about guns, and she says, "Yeah, you can get a gun." He's like, "Hmm, maybe." Next morning, we see him uh, carving these little wood darts. Yeah. And we're back at the restaurant, and now everyone's treatment of Bruce is totally different. We got special food for him. All the waiters come and surround him, and they're really excited about his kung fu because they think it's so great, except for Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. It's like, I didn't see it. It's like, dude, you were knocked out <laughs> in one punch. Uh, and so we go back into the alley uh, to have some demonstration while Jimmy goes, you know, come on. Yeah. He's being kind of an asshole about it. And we get in that same position. Um, and we've got like three guys with pads. And I love this moment. There's one guy who's kind of a little nervous holding the pad. Yeah. And Bruce smiles at him. <laughs> and then that smile goes away. And you see, and you hear that scream as he throws that first roundhouse yeah. kick. And it is scary. And then he turns to the other guy with the big pad. This is the one that's his butler. Yeah. And he kind of does a tap of a sidekick. And then he does a big step in sidekick. Yeah. And that kick is amazing. Yeah. Same kick that he broke Bob Wall's arm with in Enter the Dragon. Oh. Yeah. So in Enter the Dragon, wow. you remember Bob Wall who plays O'Hara yeah. and he's got, the, he grabs the two bottles. Right. And he right, breaks right. the bottles because he's kind of broken the rules. Mm -hmm. And that's when Bruce hits him with that big sidekick and he throws him flying through the crowd. Uh, that's what I know. He didn't break Bob Wall's arm. Sorry. He broke one of the guys who Bob Wall fell on. His oh, arm broke. Oh, Jesus. And from everything I've heard, when Bruce threw that sidekick. Yeah. And I remember learning that sidekick. I remember back in the day when I could, because you, you, you do a step behind mm -hmm. and that cocks your hips in the right position. And back when I could lift up my hip in that angle. And it was just so powerful and fun wow. to be able to throw that kick. Not like Bruce threw it. Let's, no, no. Let's be real clear. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and. I, I feel terrible for that dude that went into those boxes. No doubt. Man, it, even with a pad, it looks brutal. <laughs> and back at the apartment, and there's a guy with a gun. Hits him with those darts he was working on. Yep. And then takes him out super, super fast, including this weird, twisty, jumpy head thing. Yeah. Very bizarre. I don't yeah. quite know what it is. Drags him outside, tosses the gun. Then he says, good night. Yeah, he's done his business. <laughs> no big deal. Um, now we meet the big boss who yep. really wants this restaurant. I want this restaurant. It's really important for him to have this uh, restaurant. And it ends with, you know, well, one guy did this to you? And they go, oh, well, he knows Kung Fu. And the boss goes, Kung Fu? Cut to Bruce's warm-up. Kung Fu. 
this is fucking amazing. Like him with his shirt off and that physique yeah. and those lats and that body that is unlike any other body I've ever seen on film. Yeah. Because it's so lean and so defined and so, and he has such control over it. Yep. And those kicks and punches and it's amazing. Yeah. The only thing I wish, I wish this scene was longer. That's fair. Because it's like, I could, I, I mean, I could just watch him move all day. It's, it's not like you're watching a human move. No. That's you're watching a body built to do what it's doing yep. perfect, perfectly and understands it. Yep. It's like some of the best basketball players. If you see some of the best basketball players, they're incredible to watch. It's irrelevant of winning or losing. Right. Just watching how much they naturally know what to do with their body on the court. It is incredible sometimes to watch that. Well, and this is, you know, going all the way back to you and I talking about Gene Kelly. Mm, my love right. for Gene Kelly and my love for Bruce Lee are in the same yeah. vein I because I love watching people who can can use their body yep. effortlessly and precisely and gracefully and beautifully. Yep. It just, and Bruce Lee is just remarkable, mm. you know, and, but he stops because he gets distracted by the smell of some dumplings, which she made for some dumplings for him. <laughs> right. And she's like, you know, are they good? He's like, well, they're not as good as Hong Kong. It's like, dude, your, your game is, is off. <laughs> she made you some food. Say thanks. And she goes, well, let me take you, let me take you on a tour of Rome. And we cut to the restaurant, and in come a whole bunch of thugs and the boss, and they rough up our guys saying, where's Bruce? And they go, he's not here. And they're like, okay, we're going to wait for him. And then we go to this tour of Rome. And he's so funny. Again, it's, it's, it's kind of, I really think Bruce is interested in the idea of immigration and different cultures mm-hmm. and different cultures meaning, because what he's, t- she shows him these ruins, and he goes, oh, it's a slum. Yeah. We've got lots of these. We should build something on that. Shows in this beautiful fountains, which I think is Trevi Gardens or and uh, or uh, Tivoli. I mean, and and he goes, uh, ah, you know, we should tear this down and build a skyscraper. Make I'll make lots of money. I love that Bruce is casting himself as the person with a limited worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a person from the country. He is yep. a person who, when it comes to martial arts, knows everything. When it comes to the world, doesn't know very much at all. Yeah, you know, I think that's really great. And I, I, I again, this is why I go. I wonder what he would have done mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. And we're back at the restaurant, and they walk in, and there's the people with all the guns. And he wants to do some, and realizes he can't. And the big boss goes and kind of slaps him, yeah. slaps him again, and then Bruce catches it. Yeah, slap. the third time. And it's kind of arm wrestling him down. <laughs> and then they bring up the gun and he lets the guy win. Yeah. And they basically say, we're giving you a plane ticket. You're going to get the hell out. And they go take him outside. And they say, be careful with the guns in public. And they start walking Bruce outside and it's Wolfman behind him. And uh, we walk back to our same alley, same set, where we did our karate training and everything. Yeah. And he says, put your arms down. Slaps his arm. Nothing. Bruce's arm doesn't move. Push your arm down. Slaps his arm. Bruce's arm doesn't move. Put your arm down. Slaps his arm. Bruce swings his arm down. Hammer fist to the groin. Yeah. Grabs grabs a staff. For people who are interested in martial arts, pay attention to Bruce Lee's hands on the staff and how loosely he holds it. Mm. It is so, and that's the way you should. You should be have as little tension as your hands as possible, enough to hold it. Mm-hmm. But that's what allows you to slide your the staff through your hands, change positions, and hit with power because tension doesn't help you hit with power. Right? Like it is really, really beautiful. And he drives some people back with the staff and tosses the gun away. Wolfman struggles back into the restaurant and says, "Guy, he's doing it again." <laughs> and all the thugs run out in the alley, and Bruce takes off his shirt. 
got to take off the shirt. Yep. And some guys come out, and we hear music. <laughs> and he draws one nunchuck. More guys come out, more music. He draws a second nunchuck. And again, it's I really think he is, I'm going to show you something. Yeah. He is doing a demonstration of different techniques that you can do with this weapon. One of them, two of them. Each time he does it, he's going to do something different. Uh, and that's what I find one of the, it's a key thing in fight scenes. And like, this is why I love Rocky movies. Mm -hmm. But Rocky movies is like, I'm going to swing big punches and you're going to swing big punches. You're going to hit me and I'm going to hit you. Right. And what's interesting about what Bruce Lee is doing is he's, he's demonstrating you can do this, you can do this. He's never going to do, yes, he does that big spinning wheel kick multiple times. It's a great kick. Yeah. But he also is going to do different things, different things, different things to show you stuff. And that's what he does with the nunchucks, which obviously is his most famous weapon. Yeah that he learned from Dan Inosanto, who's one of his students. Um, and you can watch him fight Dan Inosanto in Game of Death. Wow. That's pro they're, they're, the, there's the Kareem fight scene in Game of Death, which is the movie he died in making. Mm -hmm. There's another fight scene, which I forget, it, which is really good. And the Dan Inosanto, two guys, experts with nunchucks fighting each other. It's a pretty interesting fight scene. <laughs> so he takes out someone with one nunchuck while spinning the other. <laughs> He's had, got it under his arm, and this guy coming behind him, and without looking, flips it back, knocks that guy out. And then he decides, okay, I've showed you what you can do with two. I'm going to toss one down. Now I only have one. Does another little demonstration, yeah. which is sped up, but it's still pretty awesome. Then the big, I guess he's Indian or something guy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. comes at him, and he does a block disarm uh, and then a headshot. And again, this is like a demonstration. Yeah. And now Wolfman, who's sort of the leader, is, keeps going like, get him yeah right you get him he keeps pushing people forward uh a guy with a knife comes in and he faints at the top and then uses the other hand to swing to the underneath yeah. again a different sort of demonstration and he changes his grips on them so now he's got them behind his back mm -hmm. and you don't know which side they're going to come out of come out of left or right and he takes another guy out that way um Another guy comes in flipping his knife back and forth. Yeah. He knocks the knife out of his hand and takes him out. And then he has nunchucks, one in each hand, and he uses them like he's punching with them, which is another technique. So again, demonstrating here's all the tech. Here's the list of techniques yeah. you can do. Yeah. And now we've got just Wolfman, who does a Mamma Mia and yeah. tries to get away, picks up a staff, gets disarmed. Then he decides to pick up the nunchuck that Bruce had dropped. And hits himself with the head. Mm -hmm. Which any which you have you ever played with them? Nunchucks? Yes, those are painful. Did you hit yourself in the head? Oh yeah, yeah, a number of places when I was playing around with them. Yeah, we had Mike Moe come in. Uh, I did the interview with him. The guy who plays Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, once I, saw, I saw the video. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. But the nunchucks thing took a while for him to get back into his body because he doesn't really do much nunchucks anymore. Yeah, and he studied up more to do the nunchucks for the movie. Yeah. So when he was doing the display for us, he was like, he had a little bit of, but he hit himself a couple times with the numbers. So even the best of them at times will lose control of the yep. fucking thing. So to see Bruce the way he uses it is incredible. The craziest, all the weapon, any weapon that has a chain in it is just really scary. Yeah. So like the, the nunchucks, like I did them a little bit. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good in any way. It wasn't anything I practiced a lot. Right. Hit myself in my shins, my groin, yeah. my head, yeah, all those places. People that do a three-sectional staff that's got two chains in it, or people who do yeah. a, the, the the whip chain that has the thing at the end, which yeah. my old sensei uh, Sifu Kisu did that. That thing is amazing. And that's just, like terrifying. I would never, ever even try it because it's like what it would feel like when it hits you, which has got to hit you all the time. Yeah. 
Uh, I can't imagine. Because if I have a staff or a sword and I stop, it stops. Yeah, right, exactly. If you have a thing with a chain and you stop, it keeps going. Yeah. It's <laughs> swinging around there. Um, and so he's wiped them all out. We're mm-hmm. back inside. There's kind of still negotiating about the restaurant. Bruce grabs his darts, goes in, and takes out all the guys with guns. And the, our karate guys, they help out. Mr. He and the boss tries to leave. He throws a dunchuck, catches his wrist. It's like, you're not going anywhere. And this is where not watching the subtitle version is better because Bruce wants to talk to him, yeah, yeah. but can't because he doesn't speak the language. And he does this great, like, sort of faint punch and then punches him probably with 4%. Yeah. You know, just it's sort of like, I could hit you really hard, but I'm not going to. Tells Mr. He to get them all out uh, and the thugs all get up and exit. And now the door opens again and Bruce gets ready to throw his <laughs> kick, but no, it's customers. Yeah. Hey, I think we've, we've done really well. I think we won. Yep. Except they get a threat that says, if Bruce doesn't get out of town right now, we're going to kill him at midnight. Yeah. Um, we're back at the apartment. Bruce doesn't know this, uh, but the girl knows it. And uh, she's getting, she's like, you got to get out of town. Yeah, and we look to be subtle about it. Yeah. And the yeah. clock is ticking and we get to midnight. And what do we see on the rooftop across the way? Yeah. Sniper. He's getting ready to shoot him. Yeah. Got those crosshairs on him. It becomes midnight. And at the last minute, Bruce moves and they miss. And he goes across the alley to the other building to take the guy out. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Yeah. I think Bruce did a good job of shooting this sequence in the dark and kind of the spy thrillery through the shadows thing. Yeah. It's cool. Gets to the doorway. The guy knows he's coming to the doorway. He's got his handgun out. He's aimed at the door. The Bruce kind of stands there, thinks for a minute. We see the handle turn. The guy fires through the door, shoots all his ammo out. Bruce wasn't there, comes through the door. The guy throws his gun and then Bruce has this little dart and just hits him in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he comes back to the apartment and the girl is gone. Yeah. And we're with the bad guys and they have her and they're trying to force her to sign this because the restaurant, John, it's really is important. very important. Yeah. No one tells him no. Yeah. And they're like sign this. They threaten her with a knife. She says no. And they, they go, look. Bruce is dead. He's not going to come to help you. And then they hear like a whistle. And there's Bruce and there's the waiters. And they send their, and of course, Bruce with those darts, man. Yeah. He could take your hand right out. He takes care of business. Yeah. He's like, he's like dead eyes. He's like James Coburn. Yeah. Magn- Magnificent seven. <laughs> totally. Faster than the gun. I would bet cash money that he loved James Coburn. Probably Magnificent seven. And of course he knew James Coburn. Yes. That's one of his students. Yes. Um, and that's just mean. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I like him. Um, I love him. Yeah. And uh, and now what does Bruce do in this fight scene? He lets the other guys fight. Yeah. Which I thought was great. I, what a great twist. Yeah. He goes, I've teach these guys enough. Mm-hmm. And then it's so, and what that does in this weird way is you're like, okay, when will, when's Bruce going to do it? Mm-hmm. And they, and you can see like they fight okay. Yeah. They fight better than they fought before. They're still getting hit, and they're still a little awkward, but they're doing pretty well. Oh, and it makes the audience connect with those guys even more now. Like it humanizes yep. them even more. It's more than just sycophants or fans of Bruce in the film, the character that Bruce is playing. They now are an active participant in this in their own destiny. Yep. And so you now start to connect to them a little bit more so that when we when what happens later happens, you're just like, damn. You know, well, and it shows Bruce in his element in this yeah. weird way, which is like 
as a teacher, he could wipe all these guys out. Oh, sure. That's not a problem. And he goes, no, no, what they need is they need the experience having this fight. And yeah, they're going to take some punches and I'm here to help if right. they need it, but I'm not going to get involved. And we see Akun, who's sort of the friendly guy. He's got the little nunchucks, yeah. which is cool. And then Bruce, who's looking somewhere else, gets hit out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Don't hit Bruce. <laughs> and you go, oh, shit. Takes off his shirt. And it's it's so funny because he only does a little bit. Like, just yep. wipes a dude out. Mm-hmm. Then he stops for a little while, let them fight a little bit. They start to get in trouble, wipes another dude out. Yep. And there's this one moment where uh, there's kind of a guy who looks pretty scared, and Bruce has him cornered. And, he, and, and, yeah. and he's near the door, and he kind of goes, you should go. You could see the look like, you know, yeah. go away. And the guy's not going anywhere. He has a taste... He, he 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 looks towards the door like he's gonna go then he goes then he slightly turns like he might re-engage again yeah and bruce goes all right and then wham kicks that light yep straight jump kick straight up in the air kicks that light and that is not cut no it's no a full-on shot and yeah. he was like damn and what's and the guy goes Okay, I'll go. Yeah, I'll see you. So what's funny about this is this is this is actually a um an not an homage but a reference, which is that Bruce had these early American TV appearances. Other than the Green Hornet, right. there's a there's a TV show called a show called Marlowe, which had um, James Garner, mm-hmm. and it, to intimidate James Garner, Bruce Lee did this exact jump kick into a light. Wow, um, and it's just like awesome. Yeah, they use it in Dragon. In this, in the oh yeah, in the uh, Green Hornet sequence, yeah. Um, and now, uh, way to go, Kato. <laughs> oh, that's right. And and now uh, we've gotten rid of all the guys. He faces up with the boss. Mister He drops his knife. I love, by the way, too. He does a little shoulder bump to mm. get him into the chair. But Bruce can't speak the language. Yeah, and so he points at him, waves his finger, cracks his knuckles. No one is more intimidating when cracking their knuckles than Bruce Lee. Agreed. You're just like, holy shit. And, and there's sort of a nod of like, we understand the implied threat. And this is much better than the subtitled version. Mm-hmm. Because when he can speak English, it doesn't, this, all of this isn't so cool. Yeah, it doesn't feel as tough. The Mr. He and the boss are now alone. And he's like, what are we going to do? And Mr. He says, you know, there's a saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Boss does not get it. Mm. Mr. He is a, ahead of him yeah. for most of the movie. And he's like, well, I know a great Japanese martial artist and I know a great European martial artist, but they might not you know, work together because they come from different styles. Yeah. Money will buy cooperation. Money is not a problem. Then I suggest we must call America for cope. Is this called good? It's called good. Huh. He is America's best. And then he picks up and he goes, okay, do it. He picks up the phone and he tries to call for a call. Give me America. America. Um, and they don't understand him. Yes. America. Eventually we do get to cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a New Year's celebration. Everybody's really happy. We're celebrating. We think we've all won. And in comes Mr. He and says, hey, boss wants to talk. I want to meet you at this restaurant. And they go, okay, let's do that. And Uncle Wang in particular yeah. goes, we should really do this. Now, what reason would we ever have to trust these guys? This is where, like, the plot is stupid. Yeah. You know, but okay. Um, And then we cut to an airplane. And we hear the dramatic music as Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, John, gets off the airplane. Wearing a full 1970 shirt with... The stars and stripes and all over that shirt, which is great. It is kind of rust colored and yeah. 70s. So here's the thing. That airplane, that is the airplane that Chuck Norris arrived on 
and Bob Wall is inside the airplane trying to stop the passengers from coming out <laughs> so they can steal this shot. <laughs> hey, it's only $130,000. You got to do what you can. And I love, too, this shot of Chuck leaving the airport, and you have the dun, 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 yeah. dun, and the camera is zooming in right into his crotch. Yeah. It is a full, that is Chuck Norris. And I don't know what exactly Bruce's implying yeah by just we are it's the thing you never do on film but like there is yeah that's the we're right on the package it's there. america swinging from the yeah. nether regions yeah i like it did you know that chuck norris's tears can cure cancer yeah <laughs> there's so much about Chuck. unfortunately he never cries no he doesn't <laughs> we should put I, i've never seen him cry we should put a link up to the, oh, some to of all the, the, chuck, norris the chuck norris stuff they're great um this is his first movie <laughs> He is his he is a seven time uh, karate full contact karate champion. He did train with Bruce Lee. Obviously, there is a lot of talk about who would really win in a fight, and there are people who say one hundred percent Bruce would win, and people would say one hundred percent Chuck would win, including Chuck, including well Chuck, of course. <laughs> and Bruce is not around to defend himself, no. so yeah. Um, and we cut to uh, Bob Wall, who we've already discussed, and uh, the Japanese fighter is Ing Sir Huang, and they are fighting. Uh, and they're fighting for who's going to fight Bruce. Right. It's a fun fight scene. And Mr. He is kind of jumping on Bob Wall's back, trying to get them to stop. And then in walks Chuck with the boss. Yeah. And immediately Bob Wall rocks up and bows because this is his teacher. Right. And uh, the Japanese guys, who would do karate better than a Japanese? Mm-hmm. And Chuck kind of looks over at the boss and the boss is like, yeah, go to it. So Chuck gets up real slow. He's got real presence, I oh, think, in yeah. this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think we're going to be doing Chuck Norris movies on the cinephiles. Yeah. I mean, there's not really a movie that's really good. Maybe, I've watched a ton of them. Maybe Missing in Action. Maybe. I have almost no memory of it. Yeah. And I can't imagine we're going to do any of the Expendables. No. So, yeah. No, I, I yeah. Yeah. But in this moment, he, he knows how to hold the screen. And okay. this is one of the things that beginning actors don't know how to do which is be still yep don't do much Mm -hmm. and he does so little um and he kind of gestures for the japanese fighter to come in and just wipes him out and japanese guy kind of gets up and goes oh okay this is going to be more serious and uh chuck jumps a leg sweep and then grabs him and does a back roll onto rolling on top of him mm-hmm. and is about to do the sort of finishing punch and the boss stops him and he freezes it. Yeah. And you're like, damn. And this is key to martial arts films when they're done well. Make your bad guy scary. Yep. Yeah, we've seen Bruce be awesome. But now we've seen this guy and gone, oh, shit. Yeah. Because these are good fighters and he just wiped them out. Mm-hmm. And he did it looking to- the, totally calm and cool. Well, isn't, isn't this Bruce's further attempt to kind of denigrate Japan in a way because oh, who can do k- uh, karate better yeah. than the Japanese? An American does it better than your your country's representative. And then earlier when they say, oh, we're, ch- we're studying for Japanese karate, he uses Chinese methods to destroy these guys that they can't do with their Japanese karate. He I think he spoke about how much he didn't like that the Japanese would like make fun of the Chinese and look down on the Chinese. So it was his way of fighting back at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd use the word denigrate so much as mm-hmm. I would use is that he wants to exemplify the Chinese. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more the pot because, because, but he's putting down the Japanese. It can be read that way. Oh, totally. I'm not arguing the point. Okay. Bruce Lee wants to kind of shatter traditional ways of okay. thinking about Fair. things Fair. because he stu- he was interested in, 
Japanese. He's yeah. interested in jujitsu. He's interested in karate. He's interested in American boxing. He's interested in all that stuff. Right, right, right. But he also doesn't think anybody owns it. Right. You know, like him teaching to, right. you know, because he taught to American students, right. which the Chinese didn't like because that wasn't traditionally way to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of his big things was I want to show this stuff to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we figured out that everything's, you know, set up and Mr. He goes to the restaurant and there's our guys. And, and they, he goes, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The boss couldn't come here. But why don't you get in the car and we'll drive you out to meet him somewhere else? <laughs> sure. Good. Let's good. do that. Let's sounds do great. That. Uh, we drive out to this area that is in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the Italian countryside. And uh, they get out of the car and we point and there are two guys in karate geese. I don't know, just wearing your karate gi everywhere you go. It's really Seems funny. random. Uh, and we get some zooms, a lot of zoom lenses being used. Yeah. They they walk up and Bruce is ready to go fight him. And the guys go, no, 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 let's, we'll fight him. Yeah. Uh, and they run up and fight the Japanese guy and... and um, they do okay. Yeah. He, the Japanese fighter is clearly way better than both of them, but three of them ganging up on them at one time can kind of do okay. And when they get into trouble, Bruce does the same thing, which is he gets involved. And that's when Bob Wall notices Bruce Lee. Yeah. And he goes, are you Tong Long? And Bruce says, yes. And Bob attacks. Yeah. Um, and I love, there's a, there's a great sort of jam he does of jamming Bob's attack with a yeah. sidekick. That's really cool and yeah. fast. And the Japanese guy asks if Jimmy is Tong Long. No, that's not who it is. Bruce does that perfect low roundhouse to high roundhouse faint. Yeah. That is so fast. Even in these little scenes, he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, he d- just dances around beautifully. And then this weird kind of reverse arm bar into a kick that again, I could see like where this is where he's starting to study jujitsu and all these other yeah. things. This is why people, there are people that say that Bruce Lee is the father of MMA. Yeah. You in know, the, the most recent UFC game, he is a person you can play in the, Oh really? In the, octagon. Oh, that's awesome. It's awesome. And, and he just overwhelms Bob wall mm-hmm. and the Japanese guys taking some hits, but still, you know, beating the other guys. Mm. Um, and then there's this Bob, 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 there's a moment where Bob wall, you see the look on his face. He's like, Oh, I, this is like the, I think the look is sort of like, this is like fighting Chuck. You yeah. know, I am outmatched. I can't. So he goes, I'm going to put everything I have into this flurry of attacks, which Bruce defends, grab him by the legs, lifts him up, throws him down on his back and then drives a punch right into the groin. <laughs> <laughs> and you have that or out, out. And now uh, Huang turns around and sees Bruce ask if it's Tong, if he's Tong Long. And then there's just a terrible, they're really far away and suddenly they're right next to each other. Yeah. Edit, that doesn't make any sense. And they really, I think, emphasize Bruce's speed and power here. Yeah. I and mean, just like how far beyond, because, okay, we saw Chuck take out this guy. Now we have to see Bruce take out this guy. They right. take it out in a very different way, but we're like, oh, I see. So Bruce is at the Chuck level, Yeah, kind of wipes him out. He's so intimate with this fight. Yeah. That's what I think that with Bob, he has to stay the distance because Bob is so tall. Right. But with him, uh, with uh, Jay, he has to, he does different moves. The one move he does where he kicks him from the front when he's behind him, mm. that's an incredible fucking yeah. move. And I was just like, oh, I rewound it just to watch how he styled that move and got into position to even make that move. And I was just, man, this is incredible choreography. And it all works so intimately yep. that it just, you just, uh, you just caught up in it so well. well. Well, and your point is so important. I hadn't thought about it. What you said, it was like that 
Bob Wall is so tall is that, and this is why it's like, oh, each fight is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, is and, and this is again, this is why I love fight choreography. Is like, it's an art form, and it's it's and it's storytelling. We're telling a story here mm-hmm, through good mm-hmm. fight scenes. It's not just they fight. I throw punches. You throw punches. Right. It's, what are we? What's really happening? And once he's sort of beaten down, this guy and this guy keeps trying to get up, mm-hmm. and Bruce is like, no, no, don't get up. Um, and Tony and Jimmy come in, and they're gonna they're gonna take this guy out, and. We hear from Mr. He, come this way if you dare. This is your death. And Uncle Wang says, ah, Tony and Jimmy will be fine with this guy. You go off ahead. Yeah. Um, and Bruce goes off. And we see, I love the sort of final beatdown of this Japanese guy where they're all exhausted and just throwing their last punches. And they win. Yeah. And they're down on the ground. And Uncle Wang comes up behind them, smiling. And he looks around. How are you guys feeling? Yeah, oh, my body hurts. Oh, la, la, la. And you're like, oh, at least they did it. Yeah. And then pulls out a knife, stabs them both in the back. Damn. I mean, it's so on the nose, but yet it worked. And remember, I've never seen the right, movie. Right. That's a, yeah. So well, you texted me yeah, when this happened. I, I thought it was really well done. I had no idea. And then when he gives his reasons for why he did, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And I could see somebody doing that going, I'm not going back to my town poor and going back to working in a fucking kitchen. I'm going back with some money and I'm going back to Hong Kong, a rich man. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to do this or that. Well, Andy says, you've got to pay for it. His wife and kids are in Hong Kong. They've yeah. been waiting for him. Yeah. For t- that's why I say this is an immigrant story. Right. That's what I keep going to is like, oh, even though the plot is stupid, the theme is actually you come to the new country where you don't know anybody, yeah. where you're awkward, where it's really hard, you work really hard, and you're goal is to make the money to take care of your family you know back home yeah and maybe you know. he was sent by the uncle yep. who was an older brother right sent him to go to rome to open this restaurant be away from his kids and his family uh and then he had to do it because that's kind of the familial obligation of it but now in this situation when he could get out of it he's had to endure the tongue line because remember the whole time he's been trying to keep bruce from fighting he did you know he tried to get him out of the way so that they, he might get killed all this kind of stuff, like when you go back and look at all his moves or decisions through the movie, like, oh, this guy's been trying to get out of the situation the whole time, get hit, get the money and roll out of the situation and go. Well, and Bruce is, I mean, like, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but mm. but like, where did these movies play? They played in the same movie theaters in America that Blaxploitation right, played. Right, right, right. Played in the urban movie theaters. And Bruce Lee is a huge icon for the African-American community, yes. particularly at this time. And if you think of like... This is the story about the oppressed people fighting back. Yeah. This is, you come to this place where the system is rigged against you. They run, we assume, a great Chinese restaurant, <laughs> and nobody's coming to it because they're, the system is rigged, and they, they are not allowed to succeed. Yeah. And their only choices are to turn on themselves, like Uncle Wang, yeah. or to just get the beat down. And here comes Bruce Lee, and who is he fighting against? He is fighting against Americans, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what this movie is. Yeah. Because Chuck, obviously, but everybody's speaking English. No one's speaking Italian. And the boss. Boss looks American. And boss looks American. And yeah. we are going like, we are fighting out. And you even have Mr. He is the toady mm-hmm. who is- Speaks who, English. Who speaks English yeah. and is and is from China, who has betrayed his own people yeah. in order to work with the Americans. And you have Uncle Wang who is doing that too. Like, this is a story about classic immigrant themes. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why communities that were kind of downtrodden in the US looked at Bruce Lee and went, yes, yeah. that is our hero fighting back against what we're fighting back against. Systemic oppression systemic oppression and he's taking no shit yep he 
you know, and he might be insecure, he might be embarrassed, he might be naive and all that, but when it comes down to it, he doesn't take shit, mm-hmm. you know? And right now, he's he's going into the fucking Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> so this is so, it's funny, because no one can shoot in the Coliseum now. Yeah. Like, it's a historical landmark. Apparently, the guy who got them this permission is Bob Wall. Wow. And I don't know how, but he knew a guy or something, because they're really, and it looks amazing. It's all who you know. You know, it looks, they're running through, you know, like this shot mm-hmm. of Chuck Norris in the karate gi, in the arch, across the Coliseum, doing the thumbs down. It's like, fuck, this movie just got cool. Yep. And how symbol, I mean, like, I mean, the symbolism is not hard to find. <laughs> We're in the Coliseum for our two champions to battle. And mm-hmm. there's, a, I think, this is probably the best filmed part of the movie is mm-hmm. the is the the sort of cat and mouse going through the Coliseum with Mr. Key yelling scary stuff at us. Yeah. It's cool. And the cats. Yeah, and the cat. There are a bunch of yeah, it's it's so it's the random cats. And they he comes up the stairs and there's Chuck Norris. And we are now back on the Golden Harvest back lot. This mm-hmm. is no longer in the Coliseum. Oh, okay. Yeah. The fight scene is not they only had like an afternoon to shoot the shit <laughs> in the Coliseum. And now we're back in Hong Kong and they face each other, and as you say. This is one of the great fights. Oh, man. It was so good to see it again. I had not seen it in such a long time. And the story, and this is what, like you said earlier, Steve, fights are stories. Yeah. They're, you're, things happen within the fights. You know, people uh, sometimes bitch me out for liking professional wrestling. Everything within a Those match stories, yeah. is a story. That's all. The swings, the turns, the kickouts, and then the eventual victory. It's right. all a story. And the great ones know how to tell a story within the time frame of what they have. A fight. And they have characters. They they have have characters characters and backstories. and Yeah. yeah. And all moves that you know that they can do and do they pull them out at the right time and surprise. This happens all through this fight. It's fantastic. Yeah. And you have the slow, silent build. Yeah. And you have, you know, they kind of look at each other and they know like this is serious. Yeah. You know? And I love that they both sort of turn their backs on each other. Yeah. Like, no, we're going to treat it's It's like, it's like uh, the man in black at Adigo Montoya. It's like, no, 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 you sit, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, we're not, we're not going to rush this thing. Mm-hmm. And Chuck takes off his key. He is hairy. Yeah, he is hairy. <laughs> it, it, yeah, he's a really hairy dude. And we see him start to warm up. Yeah. And we see Bruce they, they warm start up to warm up before a fight. Yeah. It's mind blowing, and uh, you know we see some of those stretches, and I love the intercutting with the cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a weird choice. It is a weird choice. It is a weird choice, and it, it, it but it's also like that's a director. Yeah, you know what I mean. Bruce made a decision that we're going to do this thing, and the shot that s- sells it for me is the cat does its arch back stretch, and then you cut to Bruce popping his fucking shoulder blades out yeah. in this weird arch back stretch, and you're like, oh, all right, I'm in. Well, and maybe this is. Is a symbolic usage of the cat too, because a cat is so lithe and can yeah. move at yeah. any uh, in any way in any at any time, and can adjust and fight and can be crazy at the same time that it is totally a chill. One second later, and, a and, cat can move as it wishes. And and while I wouldn't say that watching Chuck throw warm up punches and stuff is as cool as watching Bruce, right? That dude's karate is good. Yeah. Those punches are fucking sharp. They're ferocious. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, well, and because one of the things you see with good martial artists is there's no wasted energy. Mm-hmm. There's no that everything is in perfect alignment because power and speed comes from alignment. And like everything is just spot on yeah. perfect with the way Chuck's throwing those punches. And, you know, they kind of each done their warm up and they turn around to face each other and they approach each other. And then there's a moment where they kind of 
walk down the hallway together, sort of studying each other. Yeah. And I love the build. I love the like, we're two professionals. They recognize another professional. Yeah. And they go, oh, this is, you know, we're going to, this is going to be serious. Yeah. Chuck kind of steps into a stance and Bruce steps into a stance and they circle, they inch forward, and then the cat screams and yeah. Bruce attacks. <laughs> and we, of course, you know, uh, I can't say enough about the iconic sounds of Bruce Lee's voice during the fight scenes. There is, and so that cat scream just brings us right into it. Mm-hmm. There's a quick back and forth and then... Chuck hits him with that spinning wheel, which is the kick that Bruce has used the most in this whole fight. Yeah. Uh, and Bruce goes down. And really, the, other than the guy randomly hitting him who he wasn't mm-hmm. expecting in the office, this is the first time Bruce actually got hit. Yeah. You know? He gets beat up quite a lot during the first oh, part yeah. of this fight. I was really surprised by that decision. Well, but And it, I loved it. But that's what it should be. I mean, like, if, right. if you don't feel like your hero is threatened, yeah. then why are we having this fight scene? That's why building up the bad guy is so important. Um, and, and Bruce and Chuck is kind of like, I got this yeah. at this moment. Uh, and Bruce gets up and he goes in and he just gets pounded. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple punches and elbows uh, ending in a big shoulder throw. And he's about to come down on top of him and take him out. And Bruce blocks and grabs onto the hair. A big tough to chest hair. Yeah. It's great reaction from Chuck. And he pulls it away, and then Bruce stands up and blows that tough to chest hair out of his hand. And that's where Bruce is the ultimate and cool. Oh, yeah. He is cool as shit. But again, Bruce goes into attack, and again, Chuck stuns him with multiple kicks, mm. punches. This is mo- the most brutal one. And he goes down, and what does he get? That yeah. finger wag from Chuck. Like, nope. And Bruce sits up. He's bruised. He's hurt. Yeah. And I love, and there is an evolution in this moment. He goes, what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. I have to, I have to make a change, mm-hmm. you know? I, and I goes back, like, like what Bruce says about the big fight that he lost where he abandoned traditional techniques yeah. is that I was too slow. I was too locked into traditional things, and that is the origin of Jeet Kune Do. And I think that this moment in this fight scene is like the parallel to that. Yeah. As he goes, oh, I have to do something else. And he starts to dance, you know? Right. And when he starts to dance, that music starts. But also, there's a symbolic moment here, too, because you see the cat playing with a rock. Yep. Which is like a cat playing. 100%. Right? It's, 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 it gives you a little uh, taste of what's going to happen next. Yeah. And now Bruce is ducking and evading. And it's interesting because he, I think he actually realized that for the first time, he's facing someone as fast as he is. Yeah. You know, and so he can't just stand in there. He has to kind of move around it. And Chuck starts to get frustrated because mm-hmm. he can't hit him. He's throwing huge, huge stuff and he can't quite get to him. And this is where you see that cat playing with yeah. the rock. And now we are in Chuck's POV and we get to see Bruce attacking and the speed of that yeah. coming at you. It's like, Oh shit. And Bruce and Chuck is starting to get a little worried. And he looks at Bruce and he looks down at his feet that are dancing. Yeah. And there's multiple attacks and nobody hits anybody. Yeah. And then Bruce hits a roundhouse to the face. Um, and then a spinning wheel kick. And now and now Bruce is the guy with multiple roundhouse kicks going up the body, mm-hmm. and Chuck goes down. And again, it's this conversation. Like this is kind of what mm-hmm. Chuck did to him before. And he gets up, shakes it off. He launches a series of punches, including a beautiful spinning back fist. Um, And still no good. Bruce blocks them all and then jams Chuck at the shin. And this is something he does this multiple times in the fight. 
Uh, have you ever had a good shot to the shin? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Ugh. Yeah. So sparring, I remember when I Ugh. realized that, because sparring, even if you're doing point sparring, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're not actually hitting someone's legs hard. And a, a real solid technique is you just brutalize the shin yeah, because it makes you super reluctant to throw that kick. And that leg starts to get numb and you get real tentative until you get to a point where your shins actually are numbed out and they yeah. don't hurt anymore. You know, I used to have a, Eric, the same guy I was training with, we had kick the tree days. So we would just sit and kick a tree on our shins. Oh my God. Not super hard. Right. You know, but that's old school training. I'll tell you, there was a certain point where it didn't hurt when people kicked me in the shin because I killed all those nerve endings. Bad Jesus. It's not true anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm an old fat guy now, but, but there was a time, but yeah. And he says, that's what Bruce does to Chuck is he hits, jams that shin and he does it multiple times. And then he goes for the same shin and Chuck defends and, of course, gets the roundhouse kick to the face because that's the danger. Right. My shin hurts. I don't want you to hit there. So I'm thinking there and then roundhouse to the face. And now Chuck's shook up. He's starting to get scared. Attacks. Bruce defends. Again, the jam to the shin. Chuck taking multiple shots. And Chuck manages to block a lot. But stuff is still getting in. And then Chuck has to evolve. Yeah. And he starts to dance. And we get the two of them dancing. Here's my, it's not a criticism of the fight. I wish this went on longer. Yeah. Like that's where I'm like, oh, I wish there was more of an even moment again, mm-hmm. but there really isn't because now Bruce just wipes him out. <laughs> Chuck goes down, starting to see Bruce blurry eyed, gets up, comes in for a roundhouse. Bruce sweeps that leg on that roundhouse and it hurts. Yeah. You could feel how much that fall hurts. Again, he's slow to get up. And again, Bruce defends, uh, pushes him up against a wall, multiple big punches. And and then Chuck does this. He tries to fight. And Bruce does something to his arm mm-hmm. and something to his leg. Like yep. dislocates his shoulder and breaks a leg. Yep. And Chuck goes down again. And he's, str- and he's still fighting. And this is where this turn happens in the fight. I feel bad for him now. Yeah. You don't, I don't want Chuck Norris to die. And I think this is why Chuck agreed to do it. Because, I mean, like, if you're going to be... Losing a fight, losing a fight to Bruce Lee on film is probably cool. But then again, the pride, the ego right. of you being, he's like, okay, as long as I go out on my shield, I'll yeah. do this thing. Yeah. And so to have him hobble back up. Because he ain't going to quit. No, he's not going to quit. And he tries and it kind of falls backwards. And then he goes, and Bruce is like saying to him, like with his eyes, he's like, don't do Don't this. do it. I don't don't make you. me do this. I don't want to kill you. Yeah, I don't want to kill you. Because I think he's, I really do think he's going, I got nothing against you. Yeah, I respect you as a as an adversary. You fought your best, like boom. You, you're not the guy that's fighting. Right. You're just a, like, like let's, yeah. we're the same. Yeah. And But but Chuck won't quit. And then we have these zooms on the beat. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sure you remember, I've said it several times now, is that, Zooms came on very bad favor in Hollywood. Mm. Like that's a cheap thing to do in a film. And we didn't use Zooms through the 80s and early 90s. And now Zooms are kind of back in now. I think this is why. I think yeah, they, yeah, they were like really this, associated yeah. with cheesy kung fu movies. Yep. And they said, we can't. Because this is like, doom, doom. Zooms in on Chuck. Zoom in on, on Bruce. Zoom on the cat. Zoom in Chuck. Zoom the cat. Zoom Bruce. And it is silly, and but still cool. And he breaks his neck in a guillotine, you yeah. know? So you get to see an old, you know, MMA move is like way back with Bruce Lee. Yeah. And then he lowers Chuck down and he goes to get dressed. And then he has this thought. And he goes to get the gi and the black belt and covers the body of his honored adversary. Yep. 
It's a great, great moment. Yep. Comes back outside again, out to the Hong Kong countryside. Deviling is the Italian countryside, yeah. and there finds Jimmy and uh, Tommy dead, and Uncle Wang, who is pretending like uh, who cuts himself, yeah. to make it look like he's okay, like he's not a bad guy. We see uh, Mister He is there, and then just as and Uncle Wang's got that knife, and he's going to stab Bruce in the back. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I don't think that was a good plan in any universe. <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't think you'd get away with that, but he doesn't have to because up comes a car with the big boss, which, by the way, that's Bruce Lee's car. (laughs) And he told the guy, actor playing, he said, don't mess up my car. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine you're the actor? He's the director and the star, and he tells him, don't mess up my car. And he's the baddest (laughs) motherfucker in the world. He's Bruce Lee. Uh, comes up and comes out shooting and kills Uncle Wang, kills Mr. He. And then who comes up right next? Here's the cops. Yep. And that's done. Yeah. They arrest him. It's a pretty weird, like, how's Bruce going to explain the dead dude in the Coliseum? Mm. Like, I, I, we don't really dwell on really exactly how this right, all worked right. out. And we cut to a cemetery, and there's some goodbyes, and Bruce is getting called away, and there's kind of a moment with the girl. Kind of. Kind of. And then he walks away, and we get the music, you know? And we've reached the end of the Way of the Dragon. Starring Bruce Lee. <laughs> I like that he never told him that the uncle turned on them. I do too. I, I think there's too. something great in that. Like, even in that moment, he's still a noble. Well, guy. he doesn't necessarily know. By well, the he way. sees him with the knife behind it's him. true. And then he it's gets true. shot. So. But he doesn't necessarily know that he stabbed the other two guys. Right. He does not know yeah, that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of an odd, unsettling ending, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny how the movie is very comedic and light. Up until the uncle stabs the guys in the back yeah. in the battle with Chuck. And we're like, fuck, some heavy <laughs> shit happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're kind of just moving on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's a huge hit. Unfortunately, Bruce Lee dies soon after this. End of the, yeah. you know, End of the Dragon's already come out. I think he died when this was being released. Wow. Because that's when in the middle of Game of Death. And, you know, in terms of fight scenes, in terms of cultural significance, this has huge significance. Mm-hmm. Is this a great film like you know, network and, uh, you know, Citizen Kane and Lawrence of Arabia and even, or even a great film like the big Lebowski or the princess bride. No, I don't think it is. Do I think that the themes that are in it are really interesting? The more I thought about them in terms of being the outsider coming into America. Yeah. Do I think the plot is a good plot? No. Hmm. Do I think loosely is charismatic as fuck? Yes. Will I, if you took, make just a cut of all his warmups and all the fight scenes, will I watch them a dozen times? Totally will. Um, and is Bruce Lee hugely influential on my life and on anyone who ever studied martial arts? Absolutely. I think those are my final thoughts. Okay. Yeah. What are yours? I, I can't add much to that. Honestly, this is your guilty pleasure. Your, uh, uh and to be film. honest, I don't feel that guilty. <laughs> That's in your, nor should you. Uh, my final thought is this. If you haven't seen this movie, treat yourself to some incredible uh, martial arts from Bruce Lee. Yeah, ignore the plot and all that kind of stuff. It's not what it's about. It's more about discovering the man in this movie, that the reason why Bruce Lee was such a national phenomenon, international phenomenon, was because of his humor, his comedy, and his incredible ability as a fighter and also as an actor. I would say throughout the whole movie, there's not one yeah. unbelievable second that Bruce is on screen doing what he's doing. He's very in command in every scene that he's in. 
And when he get when you get to that final fight, trust me, everything has been worth it to be in that to watch that final fight between two incredible masters of their craft going at each other. Uh, and obviously, Chuck must have had some kind of input in the choreography with Bruce. So you see what they're able to do together, and I loved it. So that's the reason to see it. Um, so that's what we think of The Way of the Dragon. Of course, we always want to hear what you think, and we want to hear what you think about our slight divergence into some more guilty pleasures for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. We will be back with some more serious movies and some older movies. We've yes. gotten, we've definitely taken some flack on to people like wrote to us and said, don't you guys do old movies anymore? What's mm-hmm. going on with the cinephiles? And you're absolutely right. We haven't, we've kind of been in more recent movies uh, lately, and we definitely want to do some older ones as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, we'd love you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or YouTube or anywhere else you get them. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave comments on YouTube. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash the cinephiles. Maybe you have a movie that you would like us to do. Well, you just have to pledge some money and we'll put it on our list. And uh, if you want to buy Way of the Dragon or any other movie we've ever reviewed, you can do it at cinephiles.net. You can also stream things through Amazon Prime there. If you're a Prime member, a lot of the movies we have up there are free to stream. Mm. So we recommend that. And uh, as always, you can reach me on Twitter at SR Morris, on Instagram at SR Morris One, and John can be reached at at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. And hey, for any of you who haven't heard about the Geek Buddies, we'd love it if you gave it a chance. Listen to some of those episodes over there on iTunes, uh, and of course, keep supporting the top ten if you do so. Um, and I think that's it for this week. We will see you next time on the Cinephiles. <laughs>